Welcome to the Vinyl Preacher, your weekly podcast where we talk about the Bible and make a playlist. I'm Matt Cato, pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church and Campus Ministry in Los Angeles, California. Region 2, where I was drafted some nine years ago. Uh, this is me. I'm Zach Paris. I'm the pastor of Luther Campus Ministry of the University of Colorado, Boulder. And in 2010, in the spring of 2010, I put a hat right on my head that said Southwest. It was kind of ill-fitting. Uh, the bill wasn't very well broken in. They sent me in the mail, Matt, to my post office box there at the Lutheran School of Theology at Chicago. They sent me a hat for all 65 sentences just in case so they get the good shot. But it was a Southwest California Senate hat. Dean Nelson called me immediately afterwards. That's not true. To congratulate me on being selected as a member of the Southwest California Senate. Amazing. I would believe that you wore a Dodgers hat, though, which you still wear to this day. I do. You became a fan. That is, uh, I bought uh, the dot. Well, I have a Dodgers hat from I bought it I believe maybe even in the airport on the way back and forth from like interviewing for uh, the the call I took at uh, Manuel Lutheran Church in Bakersfield California world champ I knew I knew back then 2010 10 years from now champs somebody asked me about it I remember I remember now Matt I was wearing it on the airplane on the way back and somebody asked me about the Dodgers like a specific question <laughs> in like a, not a like I need to know the answer to this but like how about these Dodgers huh right and it was probably something like uh, Matt Kemp right now and I was like yeah alright bye but uh, what's his name the pitcher he was he was on the team though, was Kershaw still there I think so because I saw him play in Chicago when I was living in Chicago, when they came to Kershaw? Wrigley, yeah, Clayton Kershaw. The, it was a, the it was catcher a at the time was from uh, North Carolina, oh. Catawba County. Can't remember his name, but I remember that. Wow, wow. But. I wish the draft day, my NBA draft day, gave me these little alerts on my on my watch. Every person, uh, that would have been fun for ELCA draft day. That would have been. That would have been really fun if smartphones had really been. <laughs> I didn't know. I knew one person in the world who had a smartphone. It was my intern supervisor. <laughs> he had the iPhone mm-hmm. 3. Yeah. We did not have... I didn't know any, like, seminary classmates. No, I think Adam was the first one to get one, and he, like, didn't know how to use it. And we were just, like... <laughs> Adam exploding. was the early adopter. <laughs> is well, the, yeah. It's hilarious. <laughs> the man who still gets a paper newspaper. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> he's 2020. first iPhone. Daily <laughs> paper newspaper. This dude. <laughs> The Albuquerque Times or Incredible. Incredible. No, that would oh be goodness. like instead of a secretive envelope, you know, you get announced, mm-hmm. you get announced, and then there'd be like trading, you know, he'd be, he's been traded Absolutely. to the New England Smith. I mean, that's essentially what happened. Be amazing. To me. Um, <laughs> Incredible. Uh, Shout out uh, to Dean Nelson, though, who, I mean, he loved the draft. He, he was like, yeah, like, he was the Daryl Morey. He was the New England Patriots of draft because he was like, I could get more draft picks. I don't need more extra draft picks, and he yeah. would take them all. It was amazing. And then uh, our subsequent bishop told me, like, Oh, we're not recruiting people outside of the synod. Like, we're not, we're not gonna like draft a seminarian outside. I'm like, How do you think I got here? Like, this shaped the synod for years, drafting all these young people uh, who came in and, and did stuff. So, I don't know. It was crazy, but I knew. This is what I always tell people about that draft act, mm-hmm. is that uh, they were like, oh, how'd you end up out here? Uh, and of course, I say the Holy Spirit. Uh, but then the way the Holy Spirit worked 
is that I knew that every year I was in seminary, there was one person selected from LSTC by the Southwest California Senate. There was always one. It was Josh Ebner. It was Zach Paris. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I was like, that could be one slot. There's one slot. It could be me. There's one slot. So I talked to everybody I knew. (laughs) I talked to you. I talked to Josh, who, uh, who knew? Jen Amos was, uh, was, really was probably Jen. lobbying I mean, for I you. Jen, yeah, she was mm-hmm. out here. Uh, and so the bishop like knew my name beforehand. I mean, just mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit works through networking. That's what I tell people. I didn't sit on my hands and wait for the magic to happen. Mm-hmm. I worked the phones, man. Like, that's what you got to do. My, so uh, for our, our less less churched uh, in, in the polity of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America listeners, the way that, that things work uh, for the ELCA, well, you see, the NBA draft was last night for us, mm-hmm. and we're all excited. Um, we'd like to talk about that, but we thought we'd talk about the church draft, because the way it works when you're coming out of seminary, in the ELCA at least, is there is a draft. Uh, you get to, like, uh, uh, you submit your paperwork, right? You go to the combine. You even kind of get an agent. Uh, your seminary has a person who's supposed to advocate on your behalf that is your agent. Uh, but unlike the NBA draft, they did not. They don't stream it currently. They never like televised it. It all happens behind closed doors. And on the day of the draft, uh, as I recall, Matt, because we were in different drafts, as, as you kind of alluded to, yeah. you, in the evening of the day of the draft, you had to show up in, like... So our seminary, the school we went to, where Matt and I became friends, uh, where we went to school, uh, has some particularly like brutalist uh, architecture. Uh, and I recall being like summoned to get the results of the draft in the most brutal of classrooms, like the cold linoleum floor one with no external like windows, no 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 uh, sunlight possible coming into this classroom. And then they hand you an envelope. Or they call your name up. It's it's terrifying, right? You're all like, all the seniors are sitting in chairs in this classroom, and then uh, uh, Paul Landall, the late Paul Landall, uh, would call your name up one by one, and you'd come get this envelope, and you'd go sit down. And you had to decide like whether are you going to open it here in front of everybody, or like, do you gotta like Hannah came with me. You said Chris had to work. Um, do I gotta take it? What do I do with this thing, right? Uh, but here's the insane part, Matt, and it's like has all this buildup, and then you open it up and it has a number between one and nine in it. It's true. There are 65 different synods that could draft you, but what you get is your regional number. Yeah, right? it's, like, it's as if the NBA draft just assigned you to a conference. <laughs> yeah, to like, like what? Yeah, you're in the Eastern Conference. And that could be great, right? You could be playing for, well, you wouldn't want to play for the Knicks. Um, but you could be playing for the Bulls or Miami, right? And then, like, two weeks later, you get another letter that said, or a phone call, and it says, uh, welcome to Cleveland. Um, <laughs> so Matt and I both, when we got these envelopes, which actually ties in, uh, has more to do with NBA conspiracies around the lottery, because the lottery involves envelopes, and there's the whole conspiracy in the 1985 draft that the uh, Patrick Ewing envelope and part of the conspiracy to get Patrick Ewing to the Knicks was that one of the envelopes was frozen. Um, that's how Stern knew, and it was a cold envelope. Uh, but you get another uh, call, and then they tell you where you're actually going. That's when you actually, like we were actually drafted by the Southwest California Synod. But the number we got was two, which is a vast, vast expanse, right? Like it's... 
I thought, so then I spent two weeks researching every open call in Region 2. Because, <laughs> like Matt said, my spirituality is not a relax and let the spirit take care of things. Um, because Paul Landau gave it to me. He's like, I think you're going to be pretty excited about it, pretty pleased with this. And I didn't know what that meant, and he didn't expand upon it. So I read everything into that. Uh, and so I thought I was headed to Salt Lake, uh, is what I thought for, I remember thinking that. Um, you know, it could be West Texas, it could be rural New Mexico. Um, and then we get a call that essentially, uh, you know, Los Angeles, essentially. 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 I mean, I didn't get impatient at that part. I got impatient because, so we went out to visit y'all, like, maybe a month after that? Like, what, when did this happen? Like, February? Mm-hmm. I think this was February, because we went out of spring that break, right. so it must have been yeah. March, April at the latest, mm-hmm. and we stopped, <laughs> you took us to the Senate office in Glendale, uh, where we had this impromptu meeting with the bishop. I mean the audacity, but then they gave us paperwork. They gave me paperwork, which is great because then I suddenly had something to look at. I didn't have to go mm-hmm. research all the openings like Zach did. I just like, okay, here's here's this paperwork. Uh, did not get the call until October. This is like March <laughs> and October, right? So like, and the whole time we're living in seminary housing. Uh, I distinctly remember like around like September. Uh, what was the guy's name that was in charge of housing? Paul! Yeah, and he knocked on our door and he was like, oh, you guys are still here. <laughs> like, yep. Yep, still here. Still here. It, got, it, was, it was getting pretty pretty awkward and pretty tight. And that's when I was getting like, I would be calling the Senate office like, what's going on? Uh, can you move this thing along? Uh, but I remember getting a call in the summer uh, when I like, I, I was talking to the church and they were like well we're not going to meet in July because of the holidays so you know we're not in any hurry and I'm like like it's insane the waiting process I always have such sympathy uh, for folks yeah. who are in that waiting process because it's especially if you don't insane. have a job yeah. right and you're just like it's different when like as a second call pastor um uh, you know it's a little easier to relax and like wait on things to play out when you currently have income it is and I did not feel adequately prepared for that like maybe I was an idiot but I do feel like part of it is like you're so dependent on the church to like mm-hmm. you you can't go out and find something within the church like you have to wait yeah. for the church to call you so it really like I feel like the system is set up for you to get a call in a timely fashion. But if you don't, like, you're just kind of strung along. Like, you can't take some permanent job. Like, the it's other insane. other it's part insane. of this, dear listener, um, is so you get assigned to a synod, which is like our version of a diocese, which is has a one bishop over it. And um, you get most, well, I don't know what the process is anymore, but that's what the process was back then, was that you got assigned to one of those, uh, to a synod. Uh, and that was yours, but then you weren't, you don't get like assigned to a church. You Then you get to start interviewing for calls in that synod. Um, and so you're, you can be kind of stuck as Matt's alluding to. Um, like you can only interview for the, for the congregations that the bishop wants you to interview with, but you're interviewing. You're not like, the bishop probably has a place in mind for you, uh, as it turns out. And, um... Uh, but the bishop can't just stick you there. You've got to work. The process then starts with the congregation, and that can take, you know, 
take a while. Time. And I'm aware that I was a married white male. Like, I can only imagine. But still here. You're still first call pastor, man. Still first call. You still get to go to first call theological education? Yeah, this is such an in- inside it's, baseball episode. It's changed but. so much. No, I'm the. I always felt like the seventh one should be free. I'm the better. I'm like the Charles Oakley. <laughs> The I loved them. I loved them. I'll say some real things here, right, man? Like, I I mean, I got mad probably at every single First Call Theological Education I went oh, to, yeah. but that's not unusual. Yeah. But, like, I really appreciated Dean Nelson's perspective. Like, his strategy was fantastic, I thought, right? Like, that from, the out, from where I sat, you know, like, it looked like, as a First Call pastor, there was a community of First Call pastors together right to do that work together and that it's an injection of like new life and, and new breath into a synod um so i think that i yeah. wish that they're like as a person so i went from a synod where there were a bunch of us you know like matt said matt josh ebner scotty fritz um a lot of other folks uh to a place that does not do that <laughs> uh where i spent you know i'm 10 years now to my call here in boulder and i spent most of that as being the youngest pastor in the synod uh um or at least in the bottom five percentile and um it can be really lonely i think as a when you're by yourself as one of the young new people yeah. in place. it's really out of fashion uh here in in our synod too like the the current uh vision is to raise people up from within the communities which in general i agree with but um but there is that thing of fresh perspective so i I don't really understand the lack of a balance and that does seem like i don't know it'd be interesting to get somebody's perspective who isn't from this place but you're talking to somebody who that's my story so (laughs) What are you going to do? It's good that we've spent this much time talking about beginnings since we're talking about Advent. Why do you want, that was part of the plan, right? We're going to talk about our plan. beginning when we're drafted. Mm-hmm. As we're talking about right. the beginning of the church year. That hey! Was the all along. All along. Uh, what, are you, what are you alluding to here, man? <laughs> it's Advent. Oh, done that's it. right. We've done all the way... Around, I went to consult. We are um, cracking open um, these chocolate calendars from Trader Joe's. That was the thing. I remember uh, we had to get them for you guys one year because you didn't have Trader Joe's. Now we do. But now and I got them. They're everywhere. Chris went to Trader Joe's uh, last week for the first time. I want to say since the pandemic started, because there were always like lines outside uh, because it's so cramped in there. And she came back and she was like so excited because she got a bag of trail mix, and I was like. You got trail mix. She was like, you can't get this anywhere else. Like, this this kind of trail mix. Yeah. I would like to speak to, uh, if we, there's someone in senior administration at Trader Joe's, I'd like you to come on the podcast. Because I am interested to see how this pandemic has uniquely affected Trader Joe's. Because that's been the case for us as well. I drive by Trader Joe's every day. And there's always a line outside. Because yeah. it's a cramped, small space, which has been a part of the Trader Joe's strategy, but in a time when you need all the distancing and stuff, they've had to be very careful about limiting the number of people inside. Yeah. So uh, I imagine compared to your your uh, King Super Safeways, Ralph's, Vons, uh, it's been a more difficult time for them. I don't know. Mm-hmm. 
But people seem willing. I've, I've stood in line outside, you know. I got my peppermint JoJo's. Good job. Mm-hmm. Good job. Yeah, uh, I imagine that Ralph's is doing better, although if you follow uh, our local next door, um, people are not not happy with the local Trader Joe's. Have I gotten hooked on next door uh, during the pandemic? Yes, it's a dangerous place. Stay away. Stay away. I wish my next door was more active so that we get more crazy. Like the density of my neighborhood is not high enough. Where it gets plenty active, yeah. like in, but it's mostly like fairly well-intentioned, not complete jerk faces. Um, I need more passive-aggressive. If this if this lasted for another year, would you just start your own, like for your house? Well, like, when this pandemic started, <laughs> I joked with my wife about starting a a newsletter for the block. <laughs> Because I spent a lot of time looking out the front window, and like mm-hmm. one day the police came to like a neighborhood house, like the paramedics and stuff. Oh. And then there was one day yeah. where um, there was this last bit of snow, and like there was some interesting stuff happening there. And uh, like a neighborhood watch kind of like newsletter is what I was thinking about writing. But you know, I have actual responsibilities in the world now, so I don't get to commit my time to to blogging like uh, like we used to be able to do, man. We do live near an airport, a regional airport, and oh. which is fantastic for next door. I mean, it's just there's just one thread of it, right? So after you've like been in it for a while, it's not doesn't give you that juice of next door, right? But people lose their minds over the noise from the airplanes that fly over our houses, and I mean, it's just like there's an airport. What do you what do you want them to do? Like you bought, I'm assuming the airport was there first. And you bought a house near an airport, so it's not like you yeah. live next to a train, like the L, you know? Like, it's... I used to live really close to a train track, you know? It was louder yeah. than this. People didn't complain about it, because they were like, oh, there's a train. <laughs> yeah. When did you live by the train track? Uh, Nywat. Nywat. We were right next to it. Oh. We were like a block from the... Yeah. It's an old train town, so. And actually, you you quit hearing it. You know, I mean, it's like people in Chicago talk about living next to the L. You just. Or in LA, police helicopters. You just. Yeah. Stop Get a birds. Mm-hmm. We have those in Bakersfield. Yep. I'm sure, they're super effective. Yep. California's amazing. <laughs> But it's Advent, Matt. That's what we were. It's Advent. We were heading towards Advent, and then we just careened. I'm uh, excited. So, yeah, I started uh, in my call. It'll be, it'll be nine years. Uh, so that's exciting. Which means I'm now one of the longest-serving pastors in New City Parish. So I am organizing Advent worship for all the, the eight churches. It's motivated by my own self-interest, though. I just didn't want to preach every week. So I was like, hey, uh, what if, you know what, we're all gathering online, so the building doesn't matter. Uh, Why don't we just take turns preaching? Uh, And so I got a couple other people who are willing to do that. Um, And now we've got two two churches each week uh, doing some online, producing some pre-recorded stuff that then we can use in a combo of Zoom and whatnot. But... uh, NCP, doing stuff together. NCP, yeah, you know me. I've been around the longest, so i got to plan it. (laughs) It is strange when you become the old person. (laughs) Right. Even when you're the youngest person and you're the old person. is. But it's good. It's like I've just been thinking this entire time, like, we've got to do more uh, 
it just feels this. If there was ever a time uh, when we ought to be collaborating, it feels like we're all gathering in the same cyberspace. Why are we trying to duplicate all of this stuff? Mm-hmm. So we're going to experiment. We'll give it four weeks and see how it goes. <laughs> Advent. It's a time for newness. Count on you, uh, sacred art space place. A sanctified art. A sanctified art space place. A sanctified art, Zach. I, I love it. I've been using it uh, for a couple of years now for different seasons. Uh, and now excited to use their Advent resources. Those who dream is the theme. Those who dream. It's good. I like it. I like dreams. Rapid eye movement. Right. Dopamine deficiencies. Um, Very evocative. Matt, I don't know how to feel. I don't know how I feel about Advent this year. Um, I uh, I made a couple. I made a bad decision this week, Matt. Um, oh. I commented uh, with sincerity on uh, a Facebook post uh, of our old classmate Evan McClanahan, former ELCA pastor. Oh yeah, I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I remember one thing Evan said in seminary uh, that I think is still helpful. <laughs> Uh, and and it was something along the lines of like you don't do the seasons because you like feel like it right like it doesn't because oh I feel like Lent right but you're practicing for when you do hit a Lenten season of like your life or when you do hit the season of Advent in your life you you know how to live into it because you've been practicing it um, Matt I feel like we've been doing Advent for nine months now <laughs> like waiting keep awake um, yeah. You know, normally I'm with everybody. Like, like I think Advent. Let's do a power rankings uh, for pastors in general. I'd say Advent is like number one in pastor power rankings of like the season pastors are most excited to jump on and hold on to. We're not going to let you move on from it. We're going to do Advent fully, totally, and completely. And I'm there with you, right? I'm ready to come in off the top rope and stay. Keep awake, stay awake. Um, but we've been doing this shit for. <laughs> Nine months now, man. How are you going to come in the same way like you would have in the past? I mean, like, slow it down. Like, everybody's like, well, what are you talking about? Like, nothing exists anymore. <laughs> you know, like, time's a construct, man. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I'm not, I'm not hung up on, like, no Christmas trees and no Dolly Parton Christmases, right? But, like, how do you, how do you preach Lent when people have been living it for nine months? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's why I uh, got my colleagues to preach instead. That's, <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yeah. 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 Because normally it feels so countercultural, right? And you hit the, all of these countercultural notes and you're so excited. Like, everybody's freaking out right now. What we're called to do is sit and wait. And people are like, I'm doing that. I'm right now. I mean, it's still, uh, yeah. I don't know. Can you even have countercultural? Right? Is there even a monoculture? <laughs> there is no the monoculture. It feels, it's one of my I mean, core the, beliefs. Yeah. I don't even. Yeah. Everything is insane. Well, we talked. We had a Bible study last night. We actually did Advent one because we're going to take next week off. And uh, <laughs> the first question was, we're going to get to uh, Matthew where there's this little apocalypse. And I said, what feels apocalyptic? And of course, everyone was like, uh, everything. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah, we've, uh, we've been in it. 
So no. I don't know. I don't know, Zach. We're just going to have to discover it as we go. Okay. I don't have an answer either. at least we get to change the pyramids of our Zoom backgrounds from green to blue. <laughs> our Zoom backgrounds. What do you do, man? This is like your liturgical liturgical chucks uh, are irrelevant for today's yeah, church worship. Chucks is completely irrelevant. They do not show up uh, in the Zoom window. Dang. You need a Pastor Matt's feet cam. That's not weird. <laughs> yep, that's uh, that's what we need. <laughs> yeah, the chucks are staying fresh. They're going to be in mint condition <laughs> for Advent 2023. We got, got two vaccines coming down the line. I've got Come faith, on. Matt. I've got faith. I am telling myself, Matt. You remember the first countdown we had? Eight weeks. Oh yeah, just count down these eight weeks. I think three months, Matt. Three months, things are going to start looking sure. real good. That's what I'm... Sure. Uh, get us through the end of February. March. It's going to be looking good. And next fall, it's going to... January, I'm gonna February, be able to, March, April, May. I just can't stay. Go until November, Zach. We're going to November. November. No, hopefully we're going to August. Because <laughs> I, I need to see students again, or I'm going to lose my mind. Corona till November. <laughs> Come on, Black Flag. Remix it. Oof. Uh, you misspoke, though, Matt. You misspoke. Uh, we're heading into Mark. Marky Mark. That's what yeah. we should have done. Yeah. Yeah. And the Funky Bunch are bringing you the Gospels. This. That's not true, actually. Uh, Mark, because he lacks any uh, birth narrative, which is always a fun thing. You only get grown-ass man Jesus in Mark. Uh, there's no baby at all. He just shows up in the wilderness to be baptized by John, which we'll find out later in Advent. But that means you get very little Mark during Advent week. So we get Mark uh, 13 this week. We get Mark 1 next week. Then we do John 1 because we're out of source material. And then we go to, uh, I think it's Magnificat, uh, Advent 4. Or it's Luke, it's Luke oh, chapter think, 1. Yeah, I think it's Mary and Elizabeth. There you go. That's a dreamer dream. That'll tie into Sanctified Art. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. We only get a little bit of Mark. But what we get is pretty good. I mean, look, should we dive into these texts? Possibly. Or we could talk about different kinds of drafts, like the movie featuring Kevin Costner. Isaiah 64. 64, 1 to 9. I mean, Zach, you're like, oh, let's all slow down. That's not what these texts are about. No, it's not. The texts aren't telling mm-hmm. you to slow down. The texts are pissed. The texts are sick and tired of this shit. The texts have pandemic fatigue. I mean, look at this. Isaiah 64, 1 to 9. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. And when you do, please bring a vaccine so that the mountains will quake at your presence as when the fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, burn it down to make your name known to your adversaries so that the nations might tremble at your presence uh, because these nations are not able to govern. You mean these nations ain't working out too good? Oh, my God. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down the mountains. They quaked at your presence. From ages past, no one has heard. No ear has perceived. No eye has seen any God besides you who works for those who wait for him. You meet those who gladly do right, those who remember you in your ways. But you were angry, and we sinned. And because you hid yourself, I mean, 
I it's not on you guys. It's not totally our fault. Okay? You, you were in. This is a very righteous gemstones approach. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because you hit yourself. Uh, Season two comes soon. <laughs> we have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. It sounds like a passage from Obama's book. Uh, there is no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us into the hand of our iniquity. Oof. Yet, O oh Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. So do not be exceedingly angry. Oh, Lord. A little angry, I mean, but not extremely I mean, I don't, I don't want to be present. Like, I mean, I get it. I'm a realist, okay? You're going to be pissed, right? But, like, let's... If you can just dial yes. back a little bit, you can still be pissed. Totally get it. We deserve it. We'll make a reasonable request here. Definitely a gemstone passage. <laughs> and do not remember iniquity forever. Now consider, we are all your people. What a, that's pretty good. It's a real good text, man. Like, I think... That's a trumpet blast of a beginning to... Oh, incredible. I do not think, Matt, that I will be doing any Advent preaching. I do very little Advent preaching these these days because uh, folks are not... Uh, unlike you, Matt, for some reason, people want people want to hog all the spotlight for themselves and not go on vacation during Advent. Um, so I don't preach that much. But if I was, I think I'd lean super into this Isaiah 64 because this is like... There's so much here that you could do. I mean, you could... What I look for as a preacher to help me get going and find the directions I want to go and, like, find stuff to play... Like, I need stuff to play with. Like, And the imagery here, there is so much of it that you could do anything you wanted to out of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're looking for the good news in it, obviously I'd tie in that last clause. Um, now consider... We are all your people. Um, but there are like killer lines in here. We are the clay. You are the potter. Um, just great, great stuff here. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I remember, I mean, I, that opening line, oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. I remember that six years ago. It was 2014, Advent 2014. God, he's so old, man. And Ferguson, Ferguson was mm-hmm. all over the news and I remember preaching on that text oh that you would tear open the heavens and come down and I just I remember that line now it's like a familiar line I remember preaching on it that year it just oh it's it's not a it's not a slow down text that's right this is a this is this is a man rip roaring text we would build the tower of Babel right now to tear open the heavens Right, like, and I think there's some actually like some decent ways you can make some like comparisons to that. That we're funding all of these vaccines, right? To like, like we're paying for vaccines that we're most likely not going to use, right? Because we got to find something, right? So we're paying for the Tower of Babel, like no matter how like fruit, like we're done, <laughs> you know? Like, uh, I mean, and it's appropriate and stuff, right? But like, like, do y'all do y'all sing that? I think it was new to ELW. The uh, he came down song. He came down that we may have love. Oh yeah, we love that. It's like a Caribbean yeah tune, right? Yeah, we love. We um, love I don't think I if if I were in a setting where I got to sing that song this year, Matt, uh, I don't think I'd ever mean it as much as I mean it this year. <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, so here's the the other. I'm gonna make it a little more nuanced piece of good news um, because this is, is is tying in and is a connection to the Gospel of Mark. Here, um, uh, you hid yourself. Um, it is a funny line, right? You were angry, and we sent because you did hide yourself. You weren't here, so that made it difficult for us, right? Which is actually a pretty fair critique if you're going to read that into like the Garden of Eden, right? Like God's walking around, like, well, you left us alone with a snake, and we've never encountered snakes before, so we made a bad choice. Well, if you were here, we probably wouldn't have done that. Um, what this text is proclaiming. Uh, that it, that is particularly Lutheran is that God's about to come down as soon as you can't see God. If you're looking at that cruciform angle, right? When God is hidden, that means God is about to come down, and you're going to get some of that urgency in the gospel. But that's the direction this train is headed. Um, that the absence of God. I mean, that's a, that's another way to read into the empty tomb and to the the cross, the cruciformity of things. Is that the absence of God is actually uh, the sign that God is most present, um, and that's that kind of like paradox, uh, contradictory thing that makes this moment so uh, pressurized. I mean, I think that's that's my word for the week, Matt, uh, is pressurized. Pre- pressurized? Pressure! Inner city pressure. So that's what we're going to get in, in the gospel, right? Mark 13. That's right. Jesus said in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be hidden. It's darkened, but the actual word is hidden or obscured. Uh, And the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from the heavens, and the power in the heavens will be shaken, they will be stirred up. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, and he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things take place, you know uh, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his slave in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight or at cockcrow or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he suddenly comes. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. Keep awake. Stay woke. Stay woke. That phrase has aged uh, interestingly. (laughs) I've used it. I've used it on this Sunday before. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I do it this year, though. Uh, Probably not. But, um, I got one Greek note for you, man. In those days, after that suffering... Uh, it is the word, I've only got it in Greek here, I'm going to do it, fliffin, 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 theta, lambda, iota, phi, iota, nu, 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 I don't know what the N word is, nu, there we go, fliffin, uh, sometimes gets translated as tribulation, but uh, as I dug into it, it's like interior pressure, like compression, um, so after that, pressure after everything is tenuous the sun will be obscured 
hidden, which is the connection I'd make to the Isaiah, the moon will not give its light. And it is then when you know, when you can't see the sun, right? When the source of your life, uh, right? And again, to put an ancient Near Eastern context, the sun, darkness is not good, <laughs> right? Like uh, they don't have, they don't have lights. Uh, they're dependent on the sun fully to not get like robbed and murdered. Uh, only bad things happened at night back then. And um, that's the sign that Jesus uh, is coming. The God's, the kingdom of God is near. Nighttime. Internal pressure. Nighttime is the right time. The stars falling from heaven. So what do you do with this one? <laughs> I mean, so I think what we do here, man. Um, to answer the question that I set up at the beginning of the podcast, how do you preach Advent to people who've been living Advent intensely for nine months? Is to keep saying a ridiculous promise. I think that's what you do. Uh, I think you paint the pictures that they know you affirm that this is like... Uh, I mean, I think if you come in so hard on Advent like you normally would, it's just going to ring so hollow because people have been doing it forever. It's just not like it's going to feel so fake to me. Um, so I think what you do is you you acknowledge the realities of the suffering, of the pressure, of the sun being darkened, of the moon not giving its light, of the stars falling from heaven. Uh, oh, and that's what you do, Matt. Uh, literarily wise, I guess stars falling from heaven and list all like and kind of make this like if you want a little like um, uh, litany, you know, of the things we have lost over the past nine months, uh, and, and list it, you know, and and. You know, perhaps have a line, right? Like, and another star falls from the heavens. And we've watched all of these stars that we depend on the way that the ancients depended on, right? They've all been falling from the heavens for nine months now. Um, some days you have to preach this text as a way... Um, um, Daddy you can, don't even know. The day or the hour. You don't know when someone's going to walk in. You don't know you when somebody's going to walk know. in and talk to you about Netflix. Uh, and because you're recording a podcast live, you just say, sure, whatever. <laughs> Um, you have to make these texts real I don't think you have to do like like you still need to do that work but it's a different kind of work now because um, I think this is a pretty believable text so to paint the picture acknowledge the reality of it you got to do that because I think right like otherwise it's going to ring really false and then you make your stupid promise like your ridiculous promise that's unbelievable that says and this is the place these are the signs that God is about to come to here to this place to you um, and to bring us life in this place. Don't be disheartened because of these signs, because these are the signs. Uh, and, you know, maybe even make it explicit. That's a ridiculous promise. I don't expect you to believe me, but that's the promise that um, that's in these texts that's that I'm called to stand up here and, and proclaim to you. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, we... Yeah. I'm really... I got stuck on that. This generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. I don't know where I want to take that, but I think there's... I don't know. I just heard it this time differently than I than I used to. I feel like we get all defensive about that. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, But maybe it means that all things happen in every like moment, right? Like yeah. this thing that I'm talking about is a present reality. Yeah. At all times, right? Like it's like it's an always true 
kind of thing. But what I really want to say, so we were uh, in Bible study last night, and this uh, theology got brought up, and I know that we don't uh, preach this theology, but it's like, it's out there, man. It's out there. This is such a time of fear, and we just need to have faith and go about our business, continue to have church, continue to do things that we normally do, because we want to have faith uh, over fear. It's still out there. It's still a thing. Uh, and we got to have a coherent theology to respond to it. So, you know, what I, I talked about is that, like, no, Jesus does not tell us to, like, be afraid. Like, typically the scriptures will say, do not be afraid. But Jesus does give us, like, these other instructions, this idea of, like, keeping awake. Like, um, I mean, isn't that what we all want to do right now is, like, go to sleep? Like, have the pandemic fatigue mm-hmm. uh, and stop practicing the things that we're practicing? I mean, this would be a and great time for says, hibernation. Right, hibernation, uh, or or even just stick your head in the sand. I mean, it's just like we've all mm-hmm. got this fatigue, and Jesus is actually speaking about that fatigue. Like there is actually like a, a note of fatigue in here, but I think it's also it isn't just uh, all right. Well, keep going. You just keep on. You just gotta like tough it out. But it's also like a there's an urgency to the to to that. Um, that continued practice, right? So, like, making the ridiculous promise, the ridiculous promise, like, like makes a demand of us, too, mm-hmm. right? It's this extraordinary gift to have this promise, and yet it makes this demand of us uh, to keep awake, to see the things that have been revealed during this apocalypse of a year, uh, things that have been revealed that we don't want to forget once the vaccine comes. Oh, I guess we don't have to worry about people being uh, living paycheck to paycheck anymore. No, th- these are probably some things that we need to deal with that have been revealed uh, to us. And this idea of, like, preparation, like, keep alert for you do not know when the time will come. I do feel like that's been a, I do have this nagging feeling throughout this year that, like, there are things I ought to be doing to prepare for the other side of this thing. Like, there are things that I should be doing now that I'm not going to be able to do a year from now, that Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be able to do when things open up. What are the things that I need to do now to be preparing? Uh, And I, I I think there's, I think there's something to this. I think the urgency... I think I would preach some of that, some of that urgency. I don't know how I would. Somehow you gotta light a light a fire, but maybe you could light a fire. Maybe you could, Zach. Maybe you could light the fire, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't ring hollow. Maybe you could actually do it, or at least call on the heavens to do it, to tear open the heavens and send down fire. You know, Matt. I've been. Uh, we've done. We've been in the office, you know, as much as I can. Um, for the past couple months. And I'm struck by there are some parts of the church that are like a time capsule. Like we have a calendar, like a bulletin board that has like a calendar and of, of campus ministry events and like our announcements and stuff. And it's all from the first week of March right now. Yeah. Uh, which is really interesting. So strange. Like it's so interesting and bizarre. Um... But maybe we got to do more to like lean, live into that promise, you know. Like maybe we get time to take down March and start getting ready for what's to come, you know. Like, um, and maybe it's not going to work out, you know. I mean, that's the, that's why it's a ridiculous promise, right? But um, yeah, just some small, like start with some small acts like that. That might. Who knows what happens when you start to live into the promise? I mean, that's a, a part of the promise. That's what's a promise, right? When you start to live into ridiculous promise, sometimes ridiculous things happen. Yeah. And what is the ridiculous promise? 
Is it a return to normalcy? Yeah, everything will be like it used to be. <laughs> That's the ridiculous promise, right? Yep, the ridiculous promise is always inherently conservative. We'll go back to the way things used to be. Oh, wow. Or there might be a new future that we're going to get birthed into. This is just like, here's a free sermon image, Matt. Some of these we charge for. We don't charge for this one. I want you to set your sermon, dear preacher. Advent 1, just like the beginning of Luke is talking, 1 and 2, uh, where you're inside the uterus, <laughs> about to be birthed into this new world. Uh, and that's where we are right now. You're going to set the whole sermon context as uh, the egg and the sperm are swimming around in there. There's a diaphragm. Uh, the one sperm gets around it. Uh, if you recall correctly, and that sperm becomes um, Bruce Willis, I believe. So that's my challenge for you. Free if you preach that sermon, sermon, please record it. Send me the manuscript. You will be the vinyl preachers. This is our. I'm at, we have a big announcement to make this week. We are announcing the vinyl preacher 2020 uh, uh, awards. Right, preacher of the year is up for grabs. Uh, we decided that we're going to award the vinyl preacher preacher of the year, and we need submissions. Um, and I guarantee that if you submit your sermon manuscript and/or recording of your sermon preaching, uh, Advent like look who's talking, one or two, uh, you will win the first uh, first ever vinyl preacher preacher of the year. You heard it here first. Big news. Who knew, Matt? I don't think either one of us knew we were going to make such a big I announcement. Know. I didn't know. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. I can't wait. <laughs> Matt, oh, but this, incredible. this podcast is not simply about awarding the best in preaching uh, uh, 80s movies. Uh, but it's also the only place on the internet where people can find uh, the intersection of theology, the Bible, liturgical seasons, and pop music. Yeah. It's the only yeah. place. Definitely not on Tim Brown's blog. Just here. Tim Brown may here. be wrong. Came to visit me in, in Bakersfield. Well, you know, it's so crazy. Like, I always, I was, I used to be surprised when Advent would hit with the apocalypse instead of like, oh yeah, it's time for the minor key songs and like, oh, come, come Emmanuel. And now I kind of like it. I'm just like... Mm-hmm. The older I get, the more I appreciate the apocalyptic beginning of Advent. Um, music. Music. I did a community organizing training last week, and I was the MC for one day. I had to do the icebreaker. Oh yeah. At the beginning of the day, and you know what I did? What's that? Uh, we made a playlist. <laughs> I said everybody put a song on, and. We made a playlist. I did uh, introduce myself as the the co-host of a podcast where we talk about the Bible and make a playlist. So it just... Um, I imagine we have a lot of new listeners in, right? said it was very on brand. It was very on brand. <laughs> so if you need someone to come to MC your event and make a playlist... Uh, Here you go. Happy to, happy to do that. So what's, uh, what's our playlist this week? What do we listen to? Well, Matt... Um, uh, somewhat counterintuitively the end of this gospel talks about uh, you do not know the time or the place but then Jesus is like here are all the signs uh, that help you know the end of things uh, and Phoebe Bridgers I'm pretty sure I had it on the podcast before 
But Phoebe Bridgers, uh, I Know the End, is an incredible song with an incredible video, Matt. Shot just blocks from your church at the Los Angeles Coliseum in a single shot. Uh, it starts in the locker room in an ice bath. Have you seen it? I sent it to you one time. Did you watch it? God. No. Nope. Matt. Uh, it has baptismal imagery. She starts immersed in the, like, a in a tub of water and like comes up out of the water and then is like walking through the back like tunnels of the Coliseum and then the last shot where they like lose their minds like with the chorus of I Know the End uh, is you know she walks out into the stadium and stuff and there's strings and stuff it's really it's really good well, well done Phoebe Bridgers I Know the End uh, and then Matt I talked about pressure as my word of the week here um, I'm going with Queen featuring David Bowie's Under Pressure uh, and finally, uh, I'm stealing, Matt. Stealing is what I'm doing here. Can't uh, believe. Chinatown, which is a new single off of the forthcoming track from Bleachers, who we kind of saw in person, who I didn't know at the time was in fun. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I can't enough. Yeah. yeah. Uh, has a new single featuring Bruce Springsteen called Chinatown. And uh, it's kind of a lovey, dovey song. But the thing that I like about it that I think ties into this text nicely is that he wants to go to tomorrow with this, like girl uh, and in order to go to tomorrow the chorus says it right I want to go with you into the dark you got to go through the night to get to tomorrow and I think that that's uh, that's the place where it really ties together for him amazing yeah I finally listened to it uh, when you put it on the playlist here it's like so Springsteen comes in like like halfway through the song like he starts like his voice starts joining him on the chorus it's a very interesting effect yeah Bleacher seems to have taken the funds um, like their corner uh, in the music like they're, they're doing the same kind of music because Fun had what one album and then they were done I said that one song right <laughs> felt like I think they had two they had two because I like the other one better um yeah how about you what do you well, listen to uh I'm gonna go with I was looking for end of the world songs I was trying to see if anybody done a cover on the REM song because it, it didn't want to do that but then I found this one instead End of the World by Herman's Hermits a classic 1960s band anytime you get a playlist with Herman's Hermits on it which is a fantastic name for a band as well uh, you gotta do it so Herman, Her- Herman's Hermits End of the World but in Advent it's the end of the world and you're starting over Chris Stapleton continuing my 2020 country music vibe Chris you got that vibe Stapleton Matt I've been watching Yellowstone have you watched Yellowstone no. Did you know this? Do you, have you found Ryan Bingham yet in your country? Uh-huh. You should listen no. to Ryan Bingham. He's pretty good. He's on Yellowstone, which stars Kevin Costner, who full circle was the star of the movie Draft Day. Um, he is in his element playing a uh, strong silent type in the American West based in Montana. Um, <laughs> surprise. Uh, but Ryan Bingham has a role on the show, like a, a recurring, like an actual acting role he occasionally sings a song or two uh, but it's like an actual he's in 18 episodes according to IMDB and I'm only on episode 6 good to know good to know I think Dan Hilly pointed me to Ryan Bingham 10 years ago or something really okay it's like are you still in touch because I haven't yeah occasionally Dan Hilly who was also drafted uh in my draft, I think not your draft, one time he called me and said that there was a beer he wanted at a liquor store up in Netherland in the mountains in Boulder County, and he asked me if I'd go buy it for him. And so I did. And uh, he sent me a uh, 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 LP. Uh, he paid me back and um, sent me an LP as a, 
Did you mail him the beer? How did Timmy he get the tooth. I mailed it to him. I used like the wine shipping sorts of of things. Um, wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Incredible. Dan Hilly, we should get on the podcast at some point. You know, he spent a number of years as a concert photographer. Oh. That's how he became friends with Counting Crows and his good musical taste. Oh my goodness. Yeah, he. He's in Colum- back in Columbus. He did playlist. Huh. Really? Out of Connecticut. Did not know that. This episode well, of the LSTC Alumni News brought to you by the Final Preacher. You're welcome. Dear listeners, I'm also going to throw on a song that was put on there by one of the organizers at this training, Lockdown by Anderson Pack. I don't know if we've thrown it on the podcast before, maybe we have, but it's a very timely song. I was, I just, I was really hearing Casey Dunsworth. On this playlist. When we had her on the podcast, uh, did a lot of Anderson Pack, I believe. So hot right now. Cool. Well, that's uh, the playlist. I'm looking forward to expanding my uh, vinyl playlist once vinyl record factories get up and running. And let me tell you, Zach, I ordered a new vinyl record player. 2022 is going to be great for you. Oh, player. From U-Turn Audio. They Mm. hand make these vinyl record players in Boston, Massachusetts. Boston. Uh, I I did a little research. Uh, and these were highly recommended as like a, mm-hmm. like the best record player. You know, like you could pay like eight hundred dollars, but if yeah. you wanted a bunch of options, they were like, "This is a really good. It's very simple, but it's very old school, and they hand make them, and it's super cool." And you, and I got it in bright red. So Did I was you very get speakers with it? No, I got to order some speakers. Like, just I'm just gonna Sick. get. So I also did a little research. What are the yeah. most affordable, like good desktop the orbit? speakers? Did you get, get the Orbit? I got the plus? Orbit. I or got plus? the Orbit. Just for I, yeah, it's no, not. I don't think I got the plus. I got the orbit with uh, the preamp installed. Okay, all right. Uh, I do actually have a giant receiver <laughs> that I bought with my college graduation money, and it's hidden away in a closet somewhere. Because who the like? That what was, are you gonna do? Not planning for the 21st century, uh, <laughs> but maybe someday I'll I'll pull that out. But they're supposed to ship it. To, I don't know. The it's shipping cool times are slow because of coronavirus, right? I thought it looks really cool, and then it's got like I a pulley. It, yeah, it, right? Like, it looks... It might... I'm, I'm hoping it's not too complicated to use, but if it's just complicated Can't be that enough, maybe I'll feel cool. Like, oh, yeah. Like, you know, like, this isn't as automatic as, like, the Audio-Technica or whatever. Uh, but the, it may come at the end of the month. So I ordered a couple weeks ago, and it seems like there's some... Pretty. But they got to hand-make it, so I feel better about waiting. <laughs> so we'll see. A External belt drive vinyl. eliminates motor noise and ensures speed consistency. It looks so cool, Matt. I'm very close to ordering one and, I'll give you, and I'll sitting give you it down update. inside of my console. <laughs> oh. we'll, we'll keep you updated, Final Preacher Heads. Dang. Uh, how it goes. Because <laughs> um, all I had was one of those suitcase deals. Mm-hmm. And I'd had it for like 20 years and it was not sounding very good. And I was like, i got to step up my game if I'm actually going to co-host the Final Preacher for... More than four years, so, you know. Ooh. Wow. Anyway, I know our listeners really cared about that, but we're going to keep you updated. Custom. Uh, um, update on my vinyl delivery. It's shipped, Matt. Yeah. November it's 23rd shipped. is the expected delivery date, so we'll see. It was supposed to arrive on my doorstep on October 3rd. Um, it could be your Thanksgiving soundtrack. I'll finally have something to be thankful for. Incredible. Incredible. In addition to this podcast, man. And our dear listeners, I'm so thankful for them. That's how we should conclude, man.